Dubai I 103.8. 103.8. 103.8. 103.8. This week, we're going to devote part of the show to debunking those myths, those misconceptions surrounding COVID-19. And then, of course, in coming weeks, we will spread it further with other issues out there that need just they just need that 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 uh, that, that sane approach. They need somebody in authority to come in and put us right on what is and what is not. And therefore, we are calling this segment and you know how we like a bit of production. Fact or fake? Seems nice. Nice where you've gone there. Uh, joining us in the studio for the first ever fact or fake. Absolute pleasure to welcome consultant medical uh, microbiology infectious control doctor uh, Dr. Wael Farouk Elliman joins us live in the line. Uh, Dr. Wael, thank you so much indeed for being with us. Thank you very much for having me, Tom and Zena. Question from me, and this is sort of something that I need direction on. Um, the naming of this of this case at the moment. Obviously, we, we we started out with the novel coronavirus, then it became the coronavirus. Then WHO gave it an official tag, the COVID-19. Are we, uh, is it all of the above or is there just one? So it's um, it's one and the same virus, but the naming is, is has been slightly contentious initially when it first came. So usually you have you have um, certain people who are very particular about naming these uh, uh, newly identified bugs and there are rules to the naming uh, um, a lot of the time or previously has always been a Latin name mm. uh, uh, and sometimes identified by where it has been first uh, um, uh, found or, mm. or, or met however and due to how that may impact the name has been changed so initially from, from the Wuhan coronavirus yeah, right. yeah, where it was one, first it? identified yeah. it was changed to the coronavirus um, uh, 2019 covid 2019, yeah. but the actual, that's the name of the illness caused by the virus, not the name of the virus. Ah. The name of the official name of the virus is actually the SARS coronavirus 2. Oh, wow, that's a new one so to that's, me. That's the, that's the actual ofi- um, official uh, uh, scientific name of the actual virus that we've met. And it's an interesting virus. A lot of people uh, forget about the virus and talk about the disease. So it's what we call an arena virus, and with, it's called an arena virus because of the shape it has on the outside. It's very dusty. Mm. like an arena in a coliseum, and hence the name. So that's, it's, it comes from that family of viruses. It's an arena virus. And corona would be the species name. And mm. corona comes from crown. And again, under a, a, an electron microscope, it's a very uh, 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 impressive looking virus under the microscope. Oh, is that? So that, the, the, the corona obviously means crown in, in, in Latin, is it? Correct. Or, so yeah. corona is crown in Latin. And under, micro, under a microscope, it looks like a crown. Under an electron microscope. So that's a very high field sort of microscope, not a normal microscope. Yes, it looks very much like a crown. Interesting. I did not know that. Did you, Zines? Me neither. Fact. That's the fact over it, there. Ask the doctor for facts. I know. It does look like a crown under the microscope. Yeah, I've, I've seen the pictures and I thought they were just using stock images, but that's exactly how it looks under the microscope. Correct. Let's get on to some of the questions that have come through then, shall we? Uh, let's, um, let's talk about how this virus is spreading. I think that's what we need to sort of define at the moment. Can you explain the spread and why there is concern about the spread and why this fight against the spread at the moment. Okay, so um, the classification of certain infections uh, are classified by the WHO into what's known as high-consequence infectious diseases. So these are infections that could spread from person to person and would have a high level of impact, whether on economy or people or their health 
or so forth, uh, to which we still have no uh, management, as in uh, uh, treatment uh, that is known, or vaccination. So the uh, most recent outbreak, just before this one we had, was the Ebola in West Africa. Uh, it's a different type of virus, but it still is a virus that sits under the high uh, uh, consequence infectious diseases. Um, uh, and these are divided into two types on, on the way they're spread, whether they're spread by contact, i.e. if I touch you or touch your body fluids, such as your blood, saliva, something of the sort. Uh, uh, we call them contact spread. And then we have another group, which is called airborne um, or droplet. Depends on exactly the size of the virus and how it's spread. So the coronavirus uh, falls on the other, on the latter category of, 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 um, of airborne slash droplet. And it's really important to differentiate between the two. Uh, um, because the precautions that we take are different uh, to try and prevent it. And precautions are generally designed for healthcare organizations and institutions and settings, more so than community. So all of the trials and all of the data and all of the information we have are from places where we have high numbers of these patients in a confined space where you have to manage and deal with them. So the definitions are not actually uh, designed for public uh, settings, but more so to healthcare settings when we talk about contact precautions or uh, uh, droplet or airborne um, precautions. In light of all that, and again, my medical knowledge you can write on the back of a, a postage stamp, but it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, mm-hmm. that's, why, that's why you're here, um, that you know, despite all the precautions that we can take, the best intensive, uh, intentions of precautions, if you are in a, th- th- there's not a huge amount that can prevent us from contracting this condition if there is enough of it around. Is it? I mean, the precautions are one thing, but if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. Um, it's 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 not. Um, it's 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 a very complex sort of uh, um, uh, situation in okay. where, uh, and that's the whole point of public health and public health authorities is what they're trying to do is prevent. Oh uh, right. Okay. So that's their job to do. Yeah. You've got other people sitting trying to identify, understand, and prevent, and put in uh, restrictions. Uh, and it's for them, uh, and they are the experts, even us. We go back to them, we discuss with them, uh, 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 and and trying to come to the most uh, suitable solution. So that's a really key point I hadn't thought about as well. So we're thinking that, you know, it's, it's just it, the WHO is just working to try and get a vaccine, and they're putting these measures in place. But as you say, it's the, it's the public health authorities who are trying to con- contain the spread of the disease. Uh, can we call it a disease? That's another yes, thing. That yes, yes, it's, it's, it, it, is, it is a disease. Um, and it's uh, the public health authority. So the w- they all feed into the WHO with their data every single day. Mm. Um, every single country with a case reports it to the, um, to the WHO. And I think uh, one of the problems that we're having is the rumors that are spread from, from uh, other places that um, is this country not reporting, is that country not reporting. Um, uh, there isn't any vested interest in anyone not to report. Yeah. Um, um, and it's always being reported in a timely fashion. Fact or fake? So doing our bit to dispel myths when it comes to all things uh, COVID-19, the novel coronavirus. Uh, We're joined in studio from King's College Hospital here in Dubai. Consultant medical microbiology, infectious control doctor, Dr. Wael Farouk Elamin is here with us in studio, basically answering your questions, dispelling a few of the myths and the rumours that are doing the the rounds out there. We want to talk 
masks. Zines, you've been out and about over the course of the weekend. Are people still wearing them? Yes, and some of them, you know, I've been on the metro once or twice and I've seen some people wearing the the surgical masks, the normal masks, and even the N95 masks that are um, in demand at the moment. So, question from Jackie. Should we wear masks? Um, if it's a, As a general population, the answer is no. If you're a clinician or a nurse or working in a healthcare organisation, there are certain settings and rules to which masks you should wear and when you should wear them. But outside, there is no, uh, um, a, there is there isn't any indication or advice for wearing masks for the general populations by any of the uh, um, uh, international or local organisations. The evidence for them providing protection is very scant. Mm. Um, for those that you mentioned, healthcare workers, um, that it's beholden on them to, mm. to wear them as well. Who else should wear masks, if anybody? So. Again, um, 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 sometimes and in very uh, particular circumstances, it may be advice for people who are severely immune suppressed. So these are people who are in cancer therapy, um, people with uh, low white cells for particular uh, uh, reasons, um, such as immune suppression because of a particular disease. But even those are done on a uh, individual basis assessment by their individual clinician at the time. But if you're fit and healthy, uh, there wouldn't be any any advice as such given to wear a mask. Previous to the advent of coronavirus, I mean, you used to get onto planes and see people wearing masks. You used to go to Dubai Mall and see people wearing masks as well. So mm. If people have colds and coughs and things like that, is it advisable? It doesn't have to be coronavirus itself, but it might just be you're under the weather, you've got a bit of fever, whatever. Is that a time to wearing a mask again? Or Correct. Not? So that is, if if you are in any way infectious... Okay, with yeah. a respiratory yeah. uh, um, ailment, then it would be advisable to cover your 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 um, nose and mouth to protect others. But that in itself is not a protection to you. So that is for the benefit of the others. And it's the same advice that you'd get in hospital once you walk in. You'd find usually if you're having respiratory symptoms, they hand you a mask to protect the others in your surrounding vicinity. But the better advice is if you're not well, Stay at home till you get better. Mm. And if you're perfectly healthy, I heard, um, I think it's the WHO website, it's even more dangerous if you do wear masks because it gives you a false sense of security and you think you're being protected when you're not. Absolutely. So I think this is, um, it's really important for us to assess the risk uh, uh, properly. Um, having a false sense of security and walking in malls or um, trains or airlines, you usually find them uh, very often, uh, uh, the mask not secured properly with it dangling underneath the nose. And a lot of the times it's humid. So if you actually pay attention to the person wearing it, you'd find a lot of humidity. And humidity changes the pores and their sizes and the way the masks work. Uh, In a way, uh, it may end up being more risky to you as an individual. What's this... um fashion item of choice at the moment the n95 everyone wants a piece of the n95 face mask what is it so the n95 is a standard it's not a it's not a mask as such so it's a standard by which the masks are designed to uh, purify or prevent particles of a certain size to 95 percent from entering so there's another five percent and hence the n95 word um it's given another name so there's something called the ffp2 and the ffp3 and these are all industry standards uh, defining the size of the uh, uh, pores uh, and particulate matter that can pass through the mask. Mm. Just owning one of those or paying 
over the odds for one of those on an e-commerce site just a bit to, to give yourself peace of mind. Is that going to protect you or are there certain ways that you need to wear these things? No, there's um, two, two, two issues. One, all of these are single-use items. Ah. And by single-use, you need to dispose of them after you use them once. Even us in hospitals or anywhere, you wouldn't use them more than once. So, And more than once means with each and every single contact with a patient. Although some, some places, because of shortages, have been... Uh, uh, reusing masks, it's strongly advised against. Uh, um, as as you have more contact areas in putting it on and off, and if it's been contaminated, it puts you at much more risk. And um, the other bit of it is actually these masks come in different sizes for different shape, fit, um, face shapes. Mm. And hence, we do something called fit testing in hospitals for our staff members to ensure they have the right size mask fitting them. And it involves, it's a pretty arduous process, it probably takes five to ten minutes per test per person to identify what type of mask. Otherwise, it ends up um, leaking from either the sides or the top, and it works like a vacuum cleaner because the pressure difference while you breathe in and out, um, there's a pressure difference, so you end up uh, uh, inhaling mm. uh, um, air uh, um, from through through these leaks. So. A couple of weeks ago, obviously, there were a lot of pictures circulating from Wuhan and other parts of China of people on public transport systems or in public wearing litre-gallon bottles on their head, wearing gas masks, wearing improvised face masks as well. And I thought, OK, that's, that's just, the, you know, that's the world gone mad. And then I've, I've seen very similar pictures in the metro in London in the last 48 hours as well as concerns raised there. And it becomes more and more difficult to get hold of uh, masks. Again, is, is there anything? I mean, I saw one yesterday, Doc, of, 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 of somebody wearing a Tesco's plastic bag over their head, which... From a from a from a you know that was one of the first things I was taught as a child never mm-hmm. to do, mm-hmm. and yet people are going to these extraordinary extremes. Yes, and I think um, um, it, it's quite um, uh, worrying when you when you see these things in terms of um, risk assessment and what people consider as the risk to them. I think, in essence, what's really important is for someone to stop and slow down mm-hmm. and ask, "What is my risk of getting the virus?" First of all, and the next question would be, "If I do get the virus, what are my risks of being?" unwell with this virus rather than recovering because actually most people do recover with the virus rather than worsen so if you look at the statistics coming out of china out of the eighty thousand, we had uh, an unfortunate death toll of about three thousand now and uh but however that the other side of the story we've had 76 77 people who have recovered fully and it's really important uh to when you're assessing your own risk to say okay where in which group would i fall uh, uh, and it's um, most people in 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 um, would fall on those who would recover anyway. Mm. It's only those with other health conditions uh, um, and at an older age who are more likely to experience severe illness, not necessarily mortality or death as as a final outcome, but severity. And um, uh, just like I, I keep telling lots of people, it's like car insurance. Um, when you buy your car insurance, your risk assessed for your probability of causing a car accident. And it's a different type of probability, but it's similar. If you're young, driving a high, powerful car, you're likely to pay high insurance based on your risks of, of getting into an accident. And it's the same with all of these infectious diseases. Um, if you're likely, if, if you're likely to experience a bit more complications if you're older with other medical health conditions, or but if you're fit and well, the probability is if you're an under fifty is 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 very low of anything serious happening to you. Fact or fake? 
We focused a lot on masks, uh, and we will continue with all things masks in just a few moments' time. But I just want to break away because a lot of people texting in about hand hygiene. Um, hand hygiene, the washing of hands, use of sanitizers as well. If there is a focus, Doc, on, on wearing masks, shouldn't we also be wearing gloves or protective gloves? So again, um, um, even in healthcare settings, we discourage the continuous wear of gloves anyway, because we know that if you're wearing them continuously, you're likely to contaminate them and not wash your hands or decontaminate them. It becomes a lot, a, a lot more difficult to do that. Uh, so the key is actually just maintaining um, um, clean hands. And it's, um, it's been known since the 1860s, experiments done by someone called Semmelweis in Hungary, that maintaining hands saves lives. Uh, uh, and um, uh, we, and then we had Lister again with the same sort of source, John Lister uh, from Scotland, who's done more or less the same sort of experiments as a surgeon. So keeping your hands clean uh, uh, prevents you from getting infected and prevents others from catching infections because it's predominantly the most common way of spreading uh, uh, these types of infections is, is through the hands. Um. More with regards to masks. Actually, let's just stick with hands very quickly because I know you've heard it already and I know that a lot of people think they know how to wash their hands. But there is a particular way to wash one's hands, isn't there? Absolutely. Uh, um, and for adults, it's, it's uh, called the six steps. Uh, one can always look at it. You need to uh, um, wash your hands in a very particular way in order to reduce the germs. Uh, what I'd suggest is, is if you look at the WHO six steps um, um, for um, uh, hand hygiene, that would be the best place to go. Or your local health authority uh, uh, website, whether it's the DHA or the Ministry of Health, they would have instructions and videos uh, instructing on, on how to uh, wash the hands properly and how to cover the surfaces of the hands properly. Doc, should we be avoiding handshakes? Um, so the current advice is in the absence of um, uh, a place to clean your hands afterwards, the answer would probably be it's safer. Um, um, and of course, um, if you are able to um, uh, clean your hands afterwards, it should be okay. So it should be on an individual's risk assessment. If you can't wash your hand, if there isn't any soap and water close by, and if there isn't any alcohol gel close by, uh, uh, it's the current advice, yes. People are asking, what's the alternative? I mean, in times like this, do we need an alternative to a handshake? Um, uh, so the, the, there aren't many studies in terms of transmission of bugs, but there are uh, one or two, I think, uh, about the transmission of bugs. They actually did count how many bugs get transmitted from one. So a handshake transmits a lot, a fist bump less, uh, uh, an elbow bump um, even so less. But with this virus, one thing I wouldn't suggest is the... Um, nasal greeting uh, that some cultures uh, undertake yeah. uh, for certain. Um, but if you do have to um, um, touch someone in terms of, of greeting him, a fist bump is probably less so uh, cont contagious, but uh, there isn't any evidence to say that you will not get any infection either. So uh, the only guarantee of not transmitting any bug from person to person uh, through touch or contact is not to contact them.
Notice one of the trends, and I read that article about uh, the sort of changing face of, of culture in China at the moment, where it, it's strange, isn't it, us human beings, why we sort of need to feel the need to have uh, these sort of greeting mechanisms as well, even in times like this. And they're saying that there's a real sort of move now towards the touching of feet um, uh, as you as you greet somebody as mm-hmm. well, which I'm sure uh, is going to cause all sorts of problems down the line as mm-hmm. well. But again, it, it, it's we're we're a funny creature, aren't we, the human being, that we can't just say, okay, no contact until we've got this one under control. Um, we are, and it's taking us billions of years to evolve into that way and become <laughs> social. So I think disrupting that in a couple of days or weeks uh, um, uh, will not be easy. Uh, I've got a question that's just come through from Vince out there. Uh, he's been listening in. Vince would like to ask this. I had a quick question about the effectiveness of ionized air purifiers in uh, home applications, hospital applications, car applications, anywhere that the general public or private uh, resides or lives. Thank you so much. Not at all. Vince, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Purifiers, all sorts of rumours doing the rounds about them. Okay, so in hospital settings, we have certain rules. We use um, um, HEPA-grade filters in, 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 in um, particular rooms where you're likely to have infectious or infected patients. Um, with regards to other studies, so there are um, other, other mechanisms of cleaning your room after a patient is in it or preventing someone um, catching an infection when someone in, is in the room. Ionized filters, um, as such, there isn't much evidence towards them. What there is is if they are filtered, it's the HEPA filter inside with the air suction and air circulation that traps these particles. But I wouldn't be able to give any advice on, on recommending any of them. Going to wrap up on masks in just a few moments' time. Um, uh, equally, if you've got any other questions, feel free to get them into us. But this is something we're going to do every day this week, isn't it, Zins? Yes, because there are so many questions. And, you know, we're getting messages about, oh, you should feature this study and that study. So we're going to get experts um, who can, uh, you know, debunk those myths or misconceptions and, sol- and also update you on what the UAE government and health authorities are saying um, about stories around coronavirus. So what the UAE government has said about masks, which is our big topic today is unless you're a healthcare worker or taking care of someone who's sick, um, as Dr. Weil has said, you don't need a mask, uh, not an N95 mask respirator and not a surgical mask. The mask is only to be worn, the N95 is only to be worn by medical professionals treating patients with the virus and children are strictly forbidden from using the product. And today it's been announced that the country has enough medical supplies and well-equipped isolation rooms to ensure the maximum level of care with highly qualified teams working around the clock, which is very reassuring to the public. Um, horror stories out there at the moment Doc, about what people are being asked to pay for face masks as well. What's the sort of official line from you and other medical professionals about that? Uh, so this is very sad in terms of people trying to profiteer from such a situation um, um, and selling probably non-healthcare grade N95 masks as healthcare grade um, profiteering from, from um, uh, people's anxieties in itself. Uh, it's illegal. Um, to do that at the moment. Uh, the masks and their prices are currently regulated. There are worldwide shortages of masks mm. uh, um, at the moment, and it's really important to consider that actually protecting yourself and uh, may not actually protect you if your next-door neighbour is unwell. Mm. So we really need to uh, be on this together and listen to the advice. It's not an individual task. It's a task for the whole society, community, and, and, and countries 
and at the moment it's a global issue, uh, um, for us to all work together and think like a team and a group, not as an individual. Last one, and it comes from me, actually, to you, uh, Doc. And it, it, it is in regards to your dear friend and colleague, Dr. Google, who was <laughs> obviously being put to task at the moment as well. Yeah, it's great having access to information um, at the best of times. But in challenging times like this, um, can, it, can it be more counterproductive and counterintuitive to the work that you and your colleagues are trying to do? It certainly is because Google works on algorithms of, of, um, of prediction where if a certain term is searched, often it turns, ends up being the most, um, uh, the, your first hit. And that in itself causes a bias and skew of, of, of information. So uh, people tend to forget that we have about 30-odd uh, viruses at the moment circulating that have overlapping symptoms. So they all present with cough, runny nose, coryza, and a bit of fever. And it could be any of one, one of one of many, or sometimes even more than one. We have children who might have three viruses at the same time uh, coming to us to hospital. Uh, um, and as such, it's really important to be assessed by someone who's non-biased at look, because otherwise you might end up missing something more important. Um, um, it's not unusual for someone to have fever. They don't have an infection, but unfortunately, they may have cancer. Mm. Yeah, and you delay that thinking that it's something else or fear. If you're unwell, always visit your healthcare professional and ensure that you get assessed properly without the bias that you may have uh, it's not what you want to hear um, but um, and keep telling yourself it really is important to be seen by someone who has none of of, of the biases that you may have yourself doc can't thank you enough uh, fist pumps elbow bashes <laughs> and all to you uh, and all your team as well down at king's college hospital here in dubai thank you so much indeed for your time thank you morning. very much for having us and happy women's day one important woman for infection control was Florence Nightingale. Exactly, yes. yes. What a great inspiration. Yes, what a great inspiration, wasn't she? What a great inspiration, a place to leave it. Dr. Well Farouk, thank you very much indeed to you. This is Dubai I 103.8.